0: Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. Can you believe it's Thanksgiving week? I'm freaking out. This just snuck up on me. Even though Thanksgiving is extra late this year, it still snuck up on me. I apologize if my voice sounds a little off. I caught quite the bug last week after I got back from LA, and it just took my voice away. It just totally took my voice away, but I'm improving. So hopefully this doesn't last for too long. So Thanksgiving is this week. Lots is going on. I just moved slash I'm in the process of moving apartments. Not very far, like three blocks away, but it's still the same amount of work. Still the same amount of work, I swear. My family's in town this week. My friend Kelly Scott is visiting me this week. You guys know Kelly. She's been on the podcast quite a few times. She works on this podcast. She helps me coordinate um, with guests and sponsors, all the fun things. So Kelly's the best. Shout out to Kelly Scott from Kelly's Clean Kitchen, without whom the show would not go on. So it's going to be a fun time this week. And I hope you're ready to have an amazing Thanksgiving meal. You can find a ton of delicious recipes on my website. If you don't know what to make, you can check out my Thanksgiving ebook. It's called Gratitude A Healthy Holiday Guide for a Paleo Thanksgiving that I created with my friend Kaylee Clark. Oh, many amazing recipes there. So, between all that, you should have a ton a ton of recipes to pick from. I'm sure you're so excited. And then Black Friday is going to be happening this Friday. And make sure you're on my newsletter list if you want an email of all of my favorite Black Friday deals because I will send that out on Friday. And if you are in holiday shopping mode, check my website for holiday gift guides. Those are about all the updates from me. We're just... In holiday mode over here, speaking of holiday recipes, if you haven't already made the sugar-free pumpkin fudge on my blog, check it out. And when I was making that recipe, my trusty second taste tester, because I can't just trust my own taste buds. You know, I need a third-party, unbiased outsider to tell me if it's delicious, which obviously it is, but my taste sister was today's guest, Marissa Kayla. I am so excited to have Marissa on the show today. We've been wanting to podcast together for a long time and Marissa is a good friend of mine. I am also helping her out with some nutritional therapy work, so she's also a client, but Marissa and I connected a long time ago through Mind Pump And Marissa is an ACE certified personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist. She graduated from MIT in 2017 and has since been using her platform on YouTube and Instagram to help other people build their own healthy lifestyles. You probably have seen her on Instagram, Misfit and Nerdy. I've tagged her quite a few times in things when we're together. And if you haven't already checked out her YouTube channel, just search Misfit and nerdy, and it will come up. She has so many amazing videos. She loves to try out all of the different health-related things. She loves to experiment, and she's extremely science-based, evidence-based. So if you'd like to geek out over science, the science of nutrition and fitness, then she is your girl. Marissa and I have so much in common, and I always feel like we are A very similar person, but I'm I represent the more woo-woo side of things, and she represents the more scientific side of things, which I'm all I'm all about. If you enjoy my content, I am pretty sure you will love her. So make sure you check her out. And in this episode, we cover all kinds of things. We talk about myths in the bodybuilding community, we talk about weight loss mistakes, we talk about all of the different Diet experiments Marissa has tried and what she has found works for her. We talk about macros. We talk about her experience being on YouTube because that is that can be tough. That's a lot of work and just kind of her life and job and how that works. And also we talk a bit about topical steroid withdrawal, which is something she has been struggling with in the last year or so and different lifestyle changes she's made and her health journey. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy this and if you do, make sure you let her know, connect with her. I'm sure she would love to hear from you and if you're looking for personal training, I think she has a few spots open. She has some amazing ebooks and programs, so check everything out from her on her website which is com. So now that you know a little bit about what we are chatting about today, let's go ahead and hop into this chat with Marissa Kayla.
1: Is this your first podcast? I podcasted with Mark Ritz on his mm. podcast, um, and I was super nervous, and so I talked really fast for, like, the first 15 to 20 minutes. What did he ask you about? I think he asked me about, like... My background, like how I got into YouTube and fitness and some of my favorite healthy products. And he also asked me about my thoughts about like the bodybuilding community promoting a less healthy diet Hmm. overall.
0: Interesting. What are your thoughts on that?
1: (laughs) Um, We're going. Oh, oh, great. Uh, So... I mean, overall, it's a lot of bro science. There's a lot of people promoting things that are not necessarily optimal for muscle building. And a lot of that comes from different marketing tactics that companies use to promote their products. So people see the marketing tactics and then they kind of just get that in their head and repeat it to everyone. And then it becomes something that everyone believes, which is not necessarily ideal because companies that are marketing to you do not necessarily have your best interests in mind. They just want to make money. So I think that it's important to like research the products that you're using, Mm -hmm. have an understanding of what actually goes into building muscle and the importance of nutrition and everything like that, and then kind of assess everything from your own viewpoint.
0: What are some of the things that are promoted in the bodybuilding space that you think is just not really the move
1: I mean a lot <laughs> like what it's I mean the, the, first thing, the first thing that comes to my mind is just protein powder okay yeah. and the drastic overuse of protein powder like we what do you think is optimal protein intake Ooh, that's a good question um in all the research I've done it seems like if you are lifting heavy then about 0.7 to one gram per pound of lean body mass so mm. if you have a lot of excess body fat you don't want to base it off your body weight a mm-hmm. lot of people say it's 0. 0.7 to 1 gram per pound of body weight. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on your lean mass. And your lean mass is just all of your body mass minus your body fat. So if you have a body fat measuring scale, you can kind of approximate that way. Um, or an easy way to approximate is just using your goal weight. It's still going to be a little bit over. Like, your lean body mass, because obviously your goal weight should have a little bit of body fat yeah. on your body. Um, no, you straight muscle. <laughs> We're
0: 0% body 0% fat here. 0% body fat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good approximation. And so you can use that to um, get your recommended protein intake. What if
0: someone's not lifting heavy?
1: If you're not lifting heavy, then there's not really as much of a point in eating that much protein. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can eat, like... I hate to go this low, but some people can be very healthy eating, like, 0.35 per pound of body weight. Are you saying this, though, off of
0: science and research or off of working with people?
1: Off of science <laughs> See, okay, research. this
0: is my thing. Like, and I have this issue with, like, Mind Pump, too. And I tell mm-hmm. Sal, like, I understand when people are talking about, like, you don't actually need as much protein as they say, right? So... If someone's going to like, I think Sal usually says like 0.8 to one, mm-hmm. to one gram. Um, but that, <laughs> what you need is different than like what actually satisfies people. Okay. You know, Yes. like I feel like in, in actuality, yeah, you might not need, you know, 1.5 grams per pound of body weight to build muscle, but for some people, they don't feel full without it.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean... I think in my opinion, your first goal should always be your health Mm -hmm. and aesthetics should come afterwards. If you're focusing purely on aesthetics, Mm -hmm. then 0.71 gram per pound of body weight is maybe ideal, but health wise. And if you focus on health, aesthetics usually follow. So that's why I think it should be a priority health wise. Then yes, doing what best, what feels best for your body is Mm -hmm. going to be what's optimal for your body. And it's going to be what helps you get to your goals quicker.
0: So let's talk about the other macros because I think this is interesting. (laughs) Okay. So I I think it's interesting to look at like bodybuilders who have it down to a science of getting their physique where they want, right? Mm -hmm. And in that space, it tends to be traditionally like higher carb and lower fat. Yeah. And then there's this whole movement of like low carb people who are like lose weight fast, like get lean, like go low carb, um, And so I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of fat loss and
1: carbohydrate
0: fat intake.
1: So, again, if it comes down to aesthetics, Mm -hmm. then if you're trying to build muscle, having more carbs is more optimal for muscle building. Yes, you can build a great physique doing keto if you have a lot of dedication, but carbs are going to make it easier. Mm -hmm. But, again, health-wise, Why is that? just because carbs are a much more readily available fuel source Mm -hmm. so when you go to the gym you have that fuel there to fuel your workout you can get just overall kind of a better workout which is going to send a better um a bigger signal to your body to build muscle Mm -hmm. um and so yeah carbs are going to be more optimal for that but again if you feel A lot better doing keto. If you feel horrible when you eat higher carb, then that's obviously not going to be optimal. Um, so kind of the way I like to approach it with my clients Mm -hmm. is testing different macro ratios to find out what they feel best with and what gives them the most energy and helps them feel strongest in the gym. And a lot of the times it is higher carb, but Mm -hmm. for certain people, they need more fat and they need less carbs. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I actually I have a little tool that I like to use with people where they like they'll start at kind of a baseline, like a normal average macro ratio that most people would use. You know, when you sign into MyFitnessPal, it gives you like, I don't know, 50 percent carbs, 20 percent protein, 30 percent fat mm-hmm. or the opposite. I don't know. It's like the standard macro ratio that everyone uses. So I'll start someone on something like that unless they already have an idea of what their baseline is. Um, And then from there, we'll test out like a higher carb diet, test out a lower carb diet, and then kind of find like slowly work our way to an average that feels best Mm -hmm. for them and optimizes their energy, optimizes their sleep, Mm -hmm. helps them feel good. And that's usually the macro ratio that's going to ultimately help them not only get to their goals relatively quickly, but also maintain them. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you notice any trends with that? Like- does certain people tend to do better with higher carb or higher fat or is it kind of all over
1: it's kind of all over for the most part um most of my clients have been starting from a place where they were just kind of following the standard macro ratio okay and it, it also it's varied a lot more as we go through different phases. Mm. So for the most part, the trend when people are bulking or they're trying to build muscle um, or just gain weight, if they're underweight, eating more carbs has been more helpful for that. And then when people are trying to cut and lose fat, then bringing the carbs down a little bit and increasing the fat tends to help.
0: Okay. Interesting. Well, you've tried a lot of things with your diet. Yes. Um, so walk me through some... like actually let's, let's do a uh, food journey from you from the beginning and like all the, I want to talk about all the different things you've tried and your experiences.
1: So take me back. Um, from, like, the very beginning of my health journey or, like, yeah. since i okay. Okay, so how did you used to eat before you got into all this? Um, were you always healthy growing I up? mean, in, like, high school and before that, mm-hmm. I lived at home. My mom cooked everything. She cooks relatively healthy, but mm-hmm. we always had a giant bag of, like, Ghirardelli chocolate chips, so I would eat a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't, I was never health conscious. Um, the food that my mom cooked was healthy, but other than that, like, I ate kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and then I did the BuzzFeed 2015 clean eating challenge. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it was like a two week pre planned like meal plan that's based on just whole foods. And I don't think there's any other restrictions other than it might be paleo. I don't know. I don't remember. I'm to <laughs> look of my that head. up.
0: That's like it was, a thing. It was the BuzzFeed 2015 <laughs> clean
1: eating challenge. It was actually like a complete game changer for me, though. It was crazy because it was. I'd also never really cooked for myself. Was before. this
0: post you finding out you had celiac?
1: Yes. Yeah, so okay. I was diagnosed with celiac disease in fourth grade. So how like, did you find out? My mom was diagnosed, oh, and so okay. it was genetic. And the doctor was like, "Well, you should probably get your kids tested oh, too." Tasty. So I ate a bunch of breadsticks before I went to get my results because <laughs> I knew that I would never be able to eat them awesome. again. Awesome. <laughs> and yeah, so I've been gluten free for as long as I can okay. remember. Um, but yeah, the Buzzfeed clean, Buzzfeed Clean Eating Challenge changed everything for me. It made me realize. Bless that, up, BuzzFeed.
0: Thank you so much, right? BuzzFeed. No, it
1: was, it was crazy. Like, I made, I made spaghetti squash. I made chia seed pudding. It was revolutionary. Game changers.
0: <laughs> Game changers. Okay, so that, like, was the start of the meeting. The yeah.
1: yeah, that was the start of me realizing that healthy foods aren't the worst thing ever. And that, you know, I can enjoy eating healthy. And that kind of, I also realized how much better I was feeling Mm -hmm. eating healthy. And so that made me want to kind of stick to that. And I wouldn't say I religiously stuck to eating only whole unprocessed foods after that, Mm -hmm. but it kind of kicked off my whole health journey. I got into lifting not long after that. Um, and then for a while I was, Definitely not following a bro diet, but I was focusing more on my macros Mm -hmm. as I started lifting because I didn't really, I didn't have a great understanding of nutrition, but I knew that like I needed a certain amount of protein and I needed to eat carbs and fats. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was tracking calories, making sure I was getting my protein, making sure I was eating enough calories. Um, And then... What were your macros like? I, I don't remember. That was years ago. I was eating probably around like 2000 calories. I was probably trying to get in about 100 grams of protein and then I think I usually let my fat and carbs kind of fall where they ended up Mm -hmm. being Um, and that is what first made me realize that I personally function a little bit better with more fat than your standard macro ratio would give you. Um, I realized that when I had more fat in my diet I felt more full, I had more energy, um, my cravings were a lot less and so I kind of started to adopt a, not high fat, but just higher than normal fat mm-hmm. diet. Um, and then from there, I just started learning well, more. What do you think is normal fat? <laughs> um, I think it's like 20 to 30% of okay. your calories would be. I just
0: like to give people, because it's also skewed, you know, like yes. what I think of as normal fat is very skewed from like what I'm sure other people do, you know, especially like. I'm so in the paleo space. Like what yeah. we think of as normal is not normal. Yeah.
1: When I say normal, I mean like in the bodybuilding okay. world, um, it's like twenty um, and like 30%. the okay. IFYM kind of crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, more than that, but not by any means like a high fat diet. Um, not a two to one fat to protein ratio. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> not quite. I might, I might be sick <laughs> if I try to do yeah. that.
0: Yeah, I'm getting through
1: it. Okay, so. Then, then what was the next dietary? Um, I just, from there I slowly progressed to eating more whole and processed foods. And then I think the first, um, thing that I experimented with was intermittent fasting. Okay. And that was a game changer for me also. What
0: did you experience?
1: I realized that I was kind of doing it already Mm -hmm. because it felt good yeah I've never been a breakfast person like Mm -hmm. even when I was in middle school and high school I dreaded eating breakfast every day I mean it might have been because I would just eat cereal yeah (laughs) but I just no matter what even if it was like eggs like I never it never sat right in my stomach it just it made me feel gross Mm -hmm. in the morning so I've never been someone who always wanted to like wake up and eat food. Um, So it was kind of natural for me to fast in the mornings. Um, But what I ended up finding was really useful was that it helped me kind of draw that distinction between actual hunger and just late night cravings and Mm. snacking. Because as soon as I had a cutoff for food, I wouldn't because I, I studied late, mm-hmm. I would just be sitting on my desk for hours, and usually I would just snack yeah. on random stuff, because it was there, because I was bored, mm-hmm. and so having that cut off, I couldn't do that anymore, and I realized that I wasn't doing that because I was hungry at all. Mm-hmm. I was just eating to eat, because there was food there, and mm-hmm. there's no sense in doing that, um, so that really helped me kind of be able to distinguish my actual hunger cues Okay, so we're you doing a sixteen-eight, or yeah, okay. I started off with like a very strict sixteen-eight. Um, my schedule at the time for school was also pretty consistent, so I didn't have to think about it too much. Um, but yeah, I would make sure to eat basically at the same time every day, and then if something happened, like I would shorten or lengthen my window a little bit. But I started off strict sixteen-eight, and then my body kind of got used to it, mm-hmm. and it ended up being. I like to call it intuitive fasting mm-hmm. um, just because if I eat intuitively now, I basically just end up eating sixteen eight, maybe closer to like a 10 hour window some days. But if I wait until I'm hungry, I usually fast about 16 hours. Okay. Let's talk about
0: intermittent fasting. Okay. So this is, the, this is what the people need to know is intermittent fasting alone help with fat loss. Or is it that it's getting people to reduce their caloric intake?
1: I think it depends okay. on the person. I say that intermittent fasting is absolutely not a weight loss tool. Mm-hmm. It's not, it will never guarantee you weight loss by itself. Mm-hmm. But it is a health tool. Mm-hmm. Especially for people that have some amount of insulin resistance, squeezing their food into a shorter window can help with that. Mm-hmm. And as a byproduct, help with fat loss. Mm-hmm. But intermittent fasting itself... Is never going to directly cause fat loss. Because if you, it, in a healthy person, it comes down to calorie balance, mm-hmm. calories in versus calories out. If you start intermittent fasting, but you increase your calorie intake by a thousand calories mm-hmm. in your window, you're still going to gain weight. It's not magical, it's not just gonna make fat drop off. Um, but if it helps you get healthier, and if you don't change your eating too much, then it can ultimately help you lose weight. Okay. And that was about the time when your YouTube channel, like,
0: kind of blew up, right?
1: Yeah. My my first video, no, my second video about intermittent fasting went viral, and it was my fourth video on my channel, which was just mind-blowing and really strange. Um, but yeah, I kind of became the intermittent fasting girl after that. Oh, okay. I yeah. see. What what made you start YouTube? Um, well, I actually started, I started this channel, um right before I graduated college, like two and a half years ago, but I started a different channel about four years before that. And I got it. I've always loved YouTube, loved the culture, loved the community. Um, I watched a variety of different British vloggers (laughs) over the course of the years, ever since like YouTube became a thing. Um, And so after I went to VidCon and I think 2013, I realized that I really wanted to be more a part of it and more a part of the community so I started my own channel and I just I fell in love with it especially because my first channel was such a small channel mm-hmm. that it really was a little community and I got to know people and I would just talk to them like About they what? were my friends just randomly <laughs> school how they were doing what they liked I like it was it. just a little fun community of people and we yeah. chat in the comments and I recognized every single person that commented and I love that so much um so that's like I love YouTube because of the Community, and then I started Misfit and Nerdy um, because I had started watching <laughs> one one semester while procrastinating um, studying for finals. I started watching a few other health vloggers, and they just the way they talked about health and fitness completely changed the way I looked at it, and so it inspired me to change. My health and my fitness routine and everything—it got me into lifting. It got me into seeing foods as a way of giving my body nutrition rather than just you know something to mm-hmm. enjoy eating. Um, and it it changed my life. And so I wanted to kind of give back and provide another avenue for people to discover everything that I had discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to kind of pay it forward and help change other people's lives, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's really cool that you have video documentation of kind of
0: change and all the different things you've tried because you do so many experiments on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, okay, you've done, you did a carnivore diet. You've yeah. done, oh, you're doing AIP.
1: I did keto. You did
0: keto. What else have you, have you ever gone through a vegan
1: um I've done I did like a week of vegan and I'll do a few vegan days here and there Uh um they don't make me feel that great so I haven't really wanted to commit my digestion just is not happy
0: same on
1: vegan yeah
0: (laughs) I'm so hungry and I'm so bloated yeah yeah
1: (laughs) it's just it's not fun so I've never wanted to commit to doing like a longer trial Mm -hmm. um the only time I did a full week of vegan was because I bought a cookbook from a vegan youtuber who I really, like, I love her recipes, Mm -hmm. and so I bought her cookbook. And so I tried, like, the whole day. I just ate from her cookbook, Mm -hmm. which was, I was cooking literally all day. Um, Yeah. But the rest of the week, like, I hadn't bought any animal products. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm just going to eat what's in the fridge. And so I ended up being vegan for a week. It was not the best week of my life, Mm -hmm. but it was fine. (laughs) Well, what about,
0: um, I want to hear about your keto experience.
1: Yeah, that was really interesting to me because before I did keto I knew that I did better on high or fat low or ish carb. Mm-hmm. So I thought keto would be great. I thought that I would feel amazing on keto. That was not the case at all. I did not feel satiated for a single second and I knew that I was in ketosis. Mm-hmm. Um I'm pretty well fat adapted like I can get into ketosis pretty quickly, but constantly being in ketosis just was not, my body was not happy. Mm -hmm. I just, I wanted to binge on everything. And so I ended up binging on fat, Mm -hmm. which ended up making me gain a little bit of weight. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't like gain a ton of weight. I only did keto for like six weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so it wasn't a huge issue, but it just, it was not pleasant. It's
0: interesting. Like, like, do you know why do you think that you had that experience? Because most people think keto is, like, the most satiating
1: yeah. diet. And I don't like know. It gets rid of binging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's kind of what I was hoping for. Um, I don't know what it was. It was just the fat did not feel as filling. You think it was me.
0: because it was higher fat or, like, because you didn't have the carbohydrates?
1: I think it was a combination mm-hmm. of both. I don't think carbohydrate it could have also been that it was lower protein oh okay. because at that time i didn't realize that i could get away with higher protein mm-hmm. while lifting heavy so i cut my protein back as well how much protein were you we eating Oof. um that's a very good question probably like i think i was limiting to 60 grams <gasps> oh yeah wow yeah i'd be
0: so hungry yeah
1: so that probably played a big part in it but something in my body was telling me that it was somewhat fat related Mm -hmm. I can't really explain it but it felt like it just it felt like I was never eating enough fat Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: yeah well I mean
1: I'm like I like talking about this
0: because it's the other side of keto and I've talked about it before on the podcast like because I've had a similar experience it took me so long to figure out like I just had chronic hunger for years and everyone was just saying it was my gut, it was my gut, it was my gut, mm-hmm. and it was like as soon as I just increased my carbs and decreased my fat, I felt normal, like a normal yeah. person and satiated, but I feel like most people talk about keto being so satiating, for me it's very annoying because when I'm not keto, I'm super inflamed, all my inflammation comes back,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I am I feel full, I'm like a normal person, yeah. and then when I'm... When I am keto, I'm fucking starving all the time. I can yeah. eat as many calories as possible, and I'm still hungry. But my inflammation goes away. Yeah. So it's like, it's Yeah, bizarre. I was thinking
1: about giving keto another try, because mm-hmm. it has been a year and a half, mm-hmm. maybe two years since I tried it. And since I am so inflamed mm-hmm. right now, it could definitely help, potentially. Mm-hmm. But... It'd be a little bit of a struggle if I'm constantly hungry. But if you did it, I think it's, like, just
0: getting in. And then once you're in, increasing protein, decreasing fat a little bit. And, like, pushing, seeing how many carbs you can get away with.
1: Yeah. I definitely think I would experiment a little bit more with my macro ratio if I were to do it again. Just Mm -hmm. because last time I did it, I just kind of looked at what everyone else was doing. Mm -hmm. And the kind of central dogma around it. And just stuck with that. Because... I, you know, it was my first time trying it. I wanted to go with the average Mm -hmm. quote unquote norm. Um, But this time I think I would definitely be checking my ketones more regularly and seeing what I could experiment with and get away with. How long did you do it? The first time? Yeah. Um, About six weeks. Okay. And I started with a three day fast. So I was definitely in ketosis like solidly before I started keto. So I didn't have any keto flu or anything like that. That's nice. Yeah. What about carnivore? Um, carnivore was very interesting. Um, I did that just because I was so fascinated by the theory behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted a chance to discuss it on my channel. I figured if I was discussing it, I should probably give it a try. Mm -hmm. So I gave it a try. And the first day, everything just went downhill right away. (laughs) After my first steak, I ate one ribeye. It was about a pound of meat. And I was, I felt grossly satiated. Mm. Like I had, I... Almost wanted to just throw up. And that yeah. was kind of the case for the rest of the week. Uh. I think I ended up having to incorporate more cheese and eggs and stuff. I wanted to be like strict, only actual meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but after like three days, I realized that I was only eating a thousand calories and mm. I needed more food. So I added back eggs. I added back cheese, ate a lot of bacon and eggs. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that helped a little bit. But I still felt kind of grossly satiated if that makes sense like satiated satiated should be good yeah. but it didn't feel good yeah and i think if i had gone longer cause i only did it for a week mm-hmm. because i didn't want my body to adapt to it cuz i didn't want you know my microbiome to start changing i didn't mm-hmm. want my body to adapt to a different diet than what i actually wanted to eat mm-hmm. um but i think if i had kept with it another week my appetite might have started to come up cuz mm-hmm. i noticed that by the last day i could eat more mhm but, yeah, it was just not fun. <laughs> Have you done any any other
0: big ones? Um, Did you ever do, like, Plant Paradox? No. Oh, okay. i was <laughs> like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I've been... What I really want to do is read The Plant Paradox and um, How Not to Die. And kind of do a discussion of a conversation between those two books. Oh, yeah. Because they're both very dogmatic. Yeah. And... Well, isn't everyone? Complete opposites. Why don't you just throw a medical medium in there? I know. Just <laughs> go, go all out. Yeah. No, it's just, uh, it just, it's the dogma of all the different diets that really gets to me. And that's why I like to experiment with all the different diets on my channel is kind of mm-hmm. to demonstrate that different people are going to respond differently to different diets. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And finding the diet that works best for you or building the diet that works best for you rather than trying to fit yourself into a specific diet dogma is going to be what is best for your body. So what have you found works best for you? Just following an overall whole foods based diet Mm -hmm. with a little extra fat. Mm -hmm. I, when I try to do, if I'm counting my calories, like if I have a specific physique goal Mm -hmm. and I'm tracking my macros for that, um, what I usually try to do is I'll have my total calorie goal. I'll have my protein goal. And then I kind of just focus on fat in my meals, Mm -hmm. um, and prioritize that. And then if I have carbs in there, I have carbs in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll kind of just listen to my body and aim for mostly kind of averages macro-wise rather than each day trying to hit a specific mm-hmm. goal or something like that. But if I'm not tracking, I think it ends up kind of being similar. Mm-hmm. I just, I focus on fat. I like fat. I eat carbs. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get enough protein because <laughs> I eat meat. Like, yeah. Do you know what
0: percentage that like usually works out to?
1: No, because I don't really look at percentages. I don't really encourage anyone to look at percentages because it's so. It depends on the number of calories that you're eating, and it's not the percentage that's necessarily important. Like, especially when it comes to protein, mm-hmm. again, looking at it from the bodybuilding perspective, it's a number of grams per pound of body weight, mm-hmm. not percentage of your total calories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that means that if. You're trying to bulk if you're trying to be in a surplus. Your protein's going to stay the same. Mm-hmm. It's not going to increase because the percentage is increasing. And if you're in a cut, your protein's also going to stay the same, which is going to mean it's a higher percentage than your maintenance macros. Um, so yeah, I don't really look at percentages. I mostly go based on grams. But mm-hmm. if I'm also eating intuitively. Like I'm obviously not tracking, and I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, but I think it's relatively the same. It's like about a hundred grams of protein as much fat as I want. My carbs usually fall around anywhere from like 80 to 150. I guess Mm -hmm. maybe like a hundred grams on average. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did recently do a reverse diet where I went from eating 2000 calories a day to maintenance to 2500 calories a day for maintenance. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that process I was really pushing my carbs. I had to eat a lot more carbs because that was my only way of increasing my calories Mm -hmm. or else I felt way too full. It, I just, I tried to stick to my preferred macro ratio at first and it's just, it was too satiating. Mm -hmm. I couldn't increase my calories. So I actually had to go to a macro ratio that was less optimal for my hunger and satiety in order to feel more hungry Mm -hmm. so that I could get more calories.
0: I want to talk about reverse dieting. Okay. For sure. Because I mean, people do this obviously like for goals like yours, but there are a lot of people who have just been under eating for a yes. long ass time who need to like reverse diet. Yes. Um, so maybe you can just explain what is the process like to reverse diet? Like, it, like, let's say someone's not reverse dieting, like in order to be able to cut on, yeah. on more, right? <laughs> let's just say like someone listening is eating, like, not enough calories every day, and, like, they need to go through a, re- a re- reverse diet, what would that look like?
1: Okay, yeah, no, I've actually taken, few, three, taken a few of my clients through um, reverse diets, all of whom were under-eating to start with. Um, and also, before uh-huh. before we get into this, yes. what do you
0: consider under-eating?
1: Um, I kind of go based on anything, like, below what would be normal for their body weight, their activity level, their, like, if someone were a healthy person Mm -hmm. in their exact body with their exact routine, Mm -hmm. anything lower than maybe, like, math is hard, um, (laughs) like, 10, 15% lower than that would Mm -hmm. probably be not optimal, Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily too low, but if it gets much lower than that, then they probably want to work on speeding up their metabolism. Okay. Okay. So
0: you have the person Mm -hmm. she's under eating. Yeah.
1: So let's say I'm starting with someone who's eating like 1400 calories. Mm -hmm. Um, and let's say their exercise is kind of optimal. They're not overtraining. So they're just like an average amount of exercise, but their calories are way too low. So I would start them out by Every week or every other week, increasing their calories by 50 calories. Okay. So if they're starting out with 1,400, next week they'd eat 1,450. And I would usually increase this with, well, okay, if they're eating not enough protein, Mm -hmm. I'd start by increasing protein until they're at a good amount of protein. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would increase, you know, if they're under eating fat, just increase what they're under eating. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just slowly get them to a more well-rounded macro ratio for what their goals are and for what makes them feel good all while slowly increasing calories over time. And it is a long process. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you can do overnight. Um, It's something that can take multiple months, at least three months, usually depending on um, how severely the person's under eating and where they need to end up. But yeah. And then that in combination with heavy resistance training is pretty key, depending on, again, depending on where the person starts. It's a very individualized process. Mm -hmm. Um, But most people are going to want to be lifting heavy because that's going to take the excess calories and turn them into muscle, which is in turn going to speed up your metabolism more, which is going to help you continue to eat more and more Mm -hmm. to get your intake to a healthy amount. Um, And if you're not resistance training, then most likely those excess calories are going to get stored as fat. The exception to that would be If someone is chronically under eating, they're also underweight. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's not really going to matter if they're putting on excess fat because they need to gain weight overall. Um, And some people will definitely be able to get away with a couple hundred calories of reverse dieting without putting on any weight. Mm -hmm. But the general recommendation is resistance training, slowly increase calories, obviously focus on sleep and stress to maximize recovery. um, And then slowly that helps speed up your metabolism so you can eat more. It'll increase your natural hunger cues. um, And then eventually you'll get to a point where you're eating a healthy amount of calories.
0: Do you think that metabolic damage is a myth?
1: I think it depends on how you're defining that. I think the metabolism is highly adaptable Mm -hmm. and I think the metabolism can slow down. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're damaging your metabolism. Mm -hmm. um, But having it be too slow or having your calorie intake to be too low can damage your body.
0: Okay. I would agree. Okay. It's just like, I I see all these posts from people in the fitness world. Metabolic damage is a myth. And I'm like, well, like you can slow your metabolism down to a place where it's not ideal. I
1: think where that comes from is people like it's the whole starvation mode mm-hmm. thing where people think that if they eat too little, they're going to start gaining fat, mm-hmm. which I mean, yes, if you eat too little to the point where you like completely mess up your hormones and everything, mm-hmm. yeah, you might start gaining fat, but it's not because you're like eating 200 calories too little. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to gain weight. Like that's probably not the case. Mm-hmm. It's It comes from these people trying to educate the average person who has like no knowledge and has heard this idea that they're starvation mode, and so that's what they're blaming their weight gain on rather than the fact that they're actually not under eating, they're not mm-hmm. actually being aware of what they're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, as a it's
0: yeah, but that is true though, if someone's under eating chronically. They can start putting on weight because yes. it's fucking up their hormones.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. But uh, that's not the case for... It. I'm coming at this from the perspective of the people that I see in the IFYM forum mm-hmm. on Facebook. Okay. A lot of them are not under eating like to the point. a
0: single IFYM forum on yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. Wow.
1: Yeah, and there's just, there's so much misinformation in there. And there's people that are, like, if they're... Um, metabolism is naturally burning like 2000 calories they're eating 1600 calories now in order to cut and they're like i don't know what's happening i'm putting on fat they're probably not putting on fat because they've damaged their body they're damaging their hormones Mm -hmm. they're probably just not doing something properly
0: what Um, do you think
1: would they would they be not doing properly i mean a lot of people don't know how to track properly like a lot of people that are first getting into this and i definitely went through this too when i first started tracking my calories, I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like I was not weighing and measuring things. I I could easily have been off by 500, 2000 calories a day without knowing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the case for a lot of people who are otherwise healthy, who are just getting into this, just trying to learn things and maybe just, you know, they just need to do it for a little bit longer and Mm -hmm. they need to learn a little bit more. And once they understand kind of how food works and how to measure food then they're going to be totally fine but until then they're confused they're like why am i gaining weight i'm doing everything right or i mean it's hard to get into the habit of tracking everything a lot of people will you know buy a soda forget that they had a soda not track the soda there's 300 i don't know how many calories yeah, in a soda but God, a couple either. hundred calories yeah. that you're not tracking that you forgot about and that just keeps, you, you keep missing things. And so they don't realize how much they're actually eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, there's, there's definitely two sides to it. There's the side of the people that are like, otherwise healthy, trying to lose weight, don't really understand, are just in a learning phase. And then there's the people that are chronically under eating, that are damaging their body, that um, are definitely doing a lot more harm and that can cause weight gain. And mm-hmm. so I think the message that certain people are putting out where they're saying that, you know, damaging your metabolism is a myth is coming from the perspective of the less educated but otherwise healthy people. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, I 100% agree. Like, you can definitely slow down your metabolism. Like, that is, but that's not metabolism damage. That's Mm -hmm. what the metabolism is supposed to do. If you're chronically under eating, if your metabolism doesn't slow down to compensate, then you're just gonna lose a ton of weight and, like, die real quickly. (laughs) So if your metabolism, like, your metabolism is functioning very very well if it's slowing down to compensate for your lower calorie intake mm-hmm. um and i think that's kind of where the message gets a little bit twisted
0: yeah i think also just like when the same message is being applied to such different groups like what you're saying most of the people who are doing ifym mm-hmm. are is such a different population than like all the people who are more likely to go into quote starvation mode yes. like the, it's more it is more prevalent in the paleo space because people go paleo and they drastically reduce their calories without realizing mm-hmm. like the number of people who come to me eating like 800 to a thousand calories and they don't even know it is wow. out of this world because a lot of them just switch to the protein and vegetables
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like the they barely lose any fat. They think they're high. fat. I'm like, you not, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's not that many calories. Like vegetables don't have that many calories and like your chicken breast does not have many yeah. calories either. Um, and they're eating like three meals a day like that. And then over time and they start and they're really into fitness, you know, so they're working out mm-hmm. six days a week and they're eating. And then it's like, why am I putting on weight? I'm like, so your body's freaking out. Yeah. Your thyroid's tanking. Yes. Your, your cortisol's sky high. Like, so it's definitely, I think, different population. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the calories in, calories out debate. Okay. Um, and what, I just want to hear your, your thoughts on this. And especially in the context of like, do different macronutrient ratios affect affect the way calories are metabolized? Before I let Marissa dive into how different macronutrients affect metabolism, I do want to talk about something that really affects your metabolism, which is your amount of and quality of sleep. And one of the best ways to optimize this is by making sure you wear a pair of blue light blocking glasses a few hours before bed and during the day when you're working on anything with a screen. But not just any pair of blue blockers because I know there are a lot of brands out there on the market. My top pick is Blue Blocks. Blue Blocks is the only company that offers blue light filtering lenses backed by the latest science. They have done the research and the testing to make sure that these lenses block the exact Frequencies of blue and green light necessary so that you get all of the health benefits of blue light blocking glasses. And why would you want to wear blue light blocking glasses? Well, obviously, it supports your sleep. Like I mentioned, it allows you to have better, deeper sleep, which then has a ton of downstream effects. Wearing blue light blocking glasses can help to give you more energy during the day, less headaches less eye strain. It can help you just feel calmer, more relaxed in the evening and during the day and improve your mood in general. It also really helps to balance out your hormones. This can affect your hunger levels during the day, your productivity. It's all connected and all goes back to supporting your sleep. And Blue Blocks has so many different options to pick from. They have about 20 different frames you can choose from. So you will definitely find a few pairs that you really like. And you can also send in your own frames if you want. Or they can make you a custom-made prescription if you need that. Blue Blocks is also the only blue light glasses company that has a charity partnership. So for every pair of Blue Blocks they sell, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring a Vision who gifts them to someone in need. So everyone needs a pair of the Sleep Plus red lenses, which you put on when the sun goes down and it gets dark. This will help to block 100% of the blue and green light necessary to give you optimal sleep, helping you to sleep better, reduce your anxiety, and just relax you overall. And then during the day, you would want either the blue light clear lens, which is great for people who work under more natural light during the day, Or you want the Summer Glow Yellow Lens, which is blue light blocking meets color therapy, and this is best for people who work under intense artificial lighting and or struggle with seasonal depression or a seasonal type of mood disorder because it does have that color therapy aspect. If you're not sure which pair to get, just Go to blueblocks.com and contact customer service and one of the founders will let you know which pair is best for you during the day. I personally use the blue light clear lens during the day and sleep plus at night and then I sleep with the remedy sleep mask which is their 100% light blocking sleep mask which really helps support your REM and deep sleep cycles. If you want to learn more about the science behind this, check out episode 230 with the founder, Andy Mant. And since Black Friday holiday sales are coming up, make sure you take advantage of their Black Friday discount code. So if you use the code BF2019 at blueblocks.com, then you will get 25% off. This is their mega sale and this is lasting from November 23rd through December 2nd, 2019. So if you are listening to this when that applies, make sure you go to blueblocks.com, b l u b l o x.com and use that code BF2019 for 25% off. If you are listening to this after December 2nd, 2019, then you can always use my discount code wellness, w e l l n e s s for 15% off your purchase of any products from Blueblocks. Okay, now that you know exactly how to support your sleep, which is extremely important, and Marissa is fully behind me on this one, let's go ahead and hop back into this conversation with Miss Fit and Nerdy herself.
1: Is there a metabolic advantage to low-carb diets or high-carb diets? That is a very good question, and I think, again, it kind of depends mm-hmm. on the person. Mm. Um, as far as calories in versus calories out go... Mm-hmm. I would say, again, depends on the person. If you are an otherwise healthy person, like everything is perfectly fine, everything's functioning well, it kind of does basically come down to calories in versus calories out, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in the short term. If we're talking five, 10 years, the quality of the calories is gonna matter, no matter what. If we're talking like you wanna lose two pounds in a month, It's calories in versus calories out. It doesn't matter if you're eating cheesecake every day. I mean, I don't recommend that, but like it's not going to make... Twinkie diet. Twinkie diet 2019. Exactly, But if you are not 100% healthy, something's not functioning well in your body, then that does disrupt the metabolic ability of your body and it's not going to purely come down to calories in versus calories out. What I usually tell people is you have to focus on health first. And once your health is in line, then you can focus on weight loss, weight gain, building muscle, whatever you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not healthy, if your body is not utilizing nutrition properly, then you're just adding to whatever stress is already on your body by trying to manipulate your calories or Mm -hmm. macros in that way. Yeah.
0: And you're just fighting an uphill battle. Yes. It's just kind of a waste of time.
1: Exactly. And yeah, that was something that I realized too, because I, as soon as I finished my reverse diet, um, I started having a ton of different skin issues, which ultimately came down to being topical steroid withdrawal. Um, but I had no idea what was happening. And when I was reverse dieting, I was training six days a week. Um, and I felt okay. And then as soon as I started having these issues, I cut my training and I dropped a ton of weight. Mm -hmm. Like, immediately. So it was very clear that like something was not I, I was fighting an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. I was trying to build muscles, speed up my metabolism, which I did do successfully, but I'll bet that I would have been a lot more successful mm-hmm. if my body had been in a healthier state when I was going through that.
0: Yeah. In terms of training, um what do you think like what do you usually start people with in terms of like with the average person what do you think is a good workout schedule like like how many days a week do you look at you a full body person (laughs) a split person
1: um this is i feel like uh people are gonna get annoyed at me for saying this but it depends on the person Uh (laughs) Um, so i mean it like training though it i mean i guess nutrition too but training so depends on like with an average client one of the biggest factors is what they have time for, like what they're willing to commit to and able to commit to. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, one of my clients that I was working with, um, we started talking and she said, Yeah, I think I could do five days a week, but I had to push her and I was like, Is that something you can 100% commit to doing every single day? Or do you think you could a lot more easily commit to doing three days a week with? two like one or two smaller workouts in Mm -hmm. there she's like okay yeah that's much more manageable she's a mom she has two kids she now is gonna have a third kid (laughs) super exciting but she she's a very busy person Mm -hmm. and so accommodating her lifestyle was a big factor in her being consistent Mm -hmm. and consistency is the most important thing if you can't be consistent with what you're doing then you need to scale back and you need to find what you can't be consistent with um So for someone like her, if she's training mostly, if she's doing like actual workouts three days a week, then I would probably do full body workouts spread out throughout the week um, in order to maximize frequency of training muscle groups. If someone's doing four days a week, then I would usually switch to a split Mm -hmm. um, so they don't end up training the same muscle group two days in a row um, because that will have a negative effect on recovery.
0: Okay. What if someone's like, I could go every
1: day? I will say Would you still have them go every day? (laughs) No. (laughs) There there definitely is an upper limit. If someone says I have the time and the willpower and the motivation to go every single day, um, I still would not do that. I'd probably start them, depending on where they're coming from, Mm -hmm. if they've done zero exercise before, I'd probably start them on two days a week. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you always want to do... At the least say they're amount. like
0: they're like a regular exerciser
1: okay so exercise like a couple days a week yeah. here and there sometimes they do five sometimes mm-hmm. they do two okay um i'd probably start them in like four days a week um and get them on a really solid program mm-hmm. that they're gonna be able to see results with and then if they are seeing results with that i'm not gonna increase it until they get close to where they might plateau. Mm -hmm. Um so depending on their goals, like if they're trying to actively build muscle, I would keep them on four days a week until maybe they are seeing a plateau in their gains, if their strength Mm -hmm. isn't um increasing as fast. Obviously assuming like their nutrition and sleep and everything else is on point. um, But if they if they get super solid with that, they're feeling really good. If they want to do more then I might up them to five. But doing the minimum amount to elicit change is always the best idea because then you can always increase. Mm-hmm. But if you have to decrease, then... Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> when do you add in cardio? If ever. Um, I do not have a client that I've specifically added in cardio for. Yet. Why recently
0: did you... I know now you're not really working out, yeah. but I
1: know you had
0: stopped lifting and then you are doing some cardio. Yeah. Explain the process,
1: Thought um, process. Yeah, so I stopped lifting because I started having health issues, but I still wanted to stay active. Mm-hmm. And cardio is a lot less, or at least light cardio, like I wasn't running marathons, obviously. Um, but light cardio was a lot less stressful on the body and the central nervous system. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less muscle damage to recover from and repair. Um, so it was a really great way to still get in movement, stay active, get my heart rate up without any of the stressful effects of resistance training. That being said for a healthy person, resistance training is like fantastic. And Mm -hmm. the extra stress is it's good stress for most people. Um, but if you are having health issues, it can be a little bit too much added extra stress. So, yeah, I just use cardio to make sure it wasn't being sedentary. Do you enjoy cardio? No. Do you like running? No.
0: Yeah, I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> Jeez. I,
1: I'm, I don't hate rowing.
0: Oh, okay. So that what you do, rowing?
1: Uh, I usually just do the elliptical because it's easier, and I can watch YouTube videos while I do it, so it makes the time pass faster. <laughs> True. True.
0: Okay, let's talk about um, what are some of the biggest weight loss mistakes you see people making? Cardio. <laughs> you think that's them Speaking thing, of cardio. are like doing all the cardio. Yeah,
1: it's because cardio. So cardio is great for you. It's, you know, it's good for your health, but it's not optimal when it comes to long term fat loss. If you want to just lose a couple pounds in a month, fine. Um, but if you're trying to lose more than. Five pounds, and you want to keep it off, then cardio is not the most efficient or the most optimal way to go about that. And that's because your body adapts to everything. Your body's an adaptation machine. If you do cardio, it will eventually slow down your metabolism because your metabolism is trying to keep you basically where you are, it's driving homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So if you're burning like 300 calories, four days a week running on the treadmill your body's going to slow down your metabolism to compensate for that the same way it would if you were eating 300 less calories four days a week Um, so over time you're basically kind of burning fewer and fewer calories while you run and then you'll end up at the point where you're maintaining weight with those four runs a week and now you just have to keep increasing cardio to keep seeing progress. And eventually you can't keep increasing cardio. Like you can't run marathons <laughs> okay, every so single day. Eventually you're running a marathon. <laughs> so it's, it's, your body adapts to it too fast and too quickly for it to be the best way to lose fat long-term. But is that the same with HIIT? Yes, but I would say you can get away with incorporating HIIT a little bit more. Um, in... A weight loss program. If I were taking a client and having them lose weight, and I thought it was time to add cardio, the first thing I would add would be HIT, mm-hmm. um, because it is a much more efficient way to burn those calories, and it's something you can back off of a lot faster.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it's still like it's still kind of going to be the same thing. Your body's still going to adapt to it, um, and the reason. I advocate for resistance training as your main modality of exercise while trying to lose weight is that you can always increase. You can just add another five pounds and that's progressive overload. You're increasing the load. You're increasing the volume and intensity Mm -hmm. and there's no upper limit to that. It doesn't mean you spend more time in the gym. It doesn't mean that you feel like you're dying. Like you would be on the treadmill if you're trying to sprint uphill for 20 miles. Um, it's a lot easier to like combat the adaptation and to keep pushing your body when you use that modality of training. Any other big mistakes you see people making? The biggest thing is people thinking that one diet or one (laughs) change is going to be the miracle that what do you mean? <laughs>
0: if you eat carnivore, you'll immediately right? have 0% body fat. I know.
1: It's yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, that's actually true. But, <laughs> I'm uh, but yeah, it's I mean, the most common one is people thinking that they have to cut out carbs yeah. to lose fat when that's not the case um, carbs are great, especially if you're using resistance training to lose fat, carbs will give you better workouts, Mm -hmm. which are going to help you maintain more muscle mass, which is going to help you burn more calories. Mm -hmm. You're going to have more energy for that. You're going to get more out of your workouts. And so you're going to be able to lose fat faster. Mm -hmm. I mean, assuming you're responsible to carbs.
0: But what if you're someone who wants to lose weight, but you can't work out?
1: You can lose weight without working out.
0: Yeah, so it's not that, as
1: optimal in that but it's case. Definitely possible. In that case, do
0: you think low carb would be more advantageous, or no? As long as they're cutting, calories. I would say yes. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: I definitely think. I mean, that would be a point where if I had a client that literally could not do any amount of mm-hmm. exercise, um, I would have them maybe try keto mm-hmm. and see how that works. Because then, yes, you are burning your own fat for fuel and that's the best way to make sure you're targeting that um for weight loss yeah well what's
0: interesting is i don't know if you've read studies on this or but it's like people can anecdotally and there's some science behind this like eat more calories on a low carb diet and lose weight versus like on a higher carb diet they they have to eat less calories to to lose weight,
1: I have seen that, and mm-hmm. I think it kind of comes down to the individual. Because I've seen people. Have you seen the opposite ever? Um, let's see. What eating more carbs helps them lose more weight?
0: Like they can eat more calories with higher carbs and lose weight than, and on low carb they have to eat less food. I less don't think calories. I've had
1: any clients specifically yeah, do that. I'm like, oh. Um, but I have seen. Like I'm in. Or I was in, I might have left the group, but a few keto when I when I try a new mm-hmm. diet or something, I get myself into a lot of different Facebook forums. Wow, um, so, this is yeah. A world for me. oh yeah, it's I'm more I, of a
0: Reddit kind of girl.
1: <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh, I need to check that out. Um, but I got myself into a few keto groups and there was one group where every year this group of people would consume like six thousand calories mm-hmm. of mostly oil. Um, because how else are you going to get 6,000 yeah. calories on keto? And prove that they can lose weight doing that. And somehow they? they would. All of them? I mean, it was, it was like only a couple of them. Okay. Um, but, like, I don't think that's going to work for everyone, yeah. obviously. Like, I think there is going to be some amount yeah. of variance. And, like, with macros, yes. I do think that eating, cutting carbs slightly is going to be more advantageous for weight loss. Just... Mm-hmm. Purely from the satiety perspective, most people are going to feel a lot more satiated and have a lot less cravings if they bump up the fat a little bit, decrease the carbs a little mm-hmm. bit. But that's a general statement. Mm-hmm. Some people, that's not the case.
0: So interesting to me. I, have you ever gotten your genes tested? I have not. I'd be so curious to see like what your genetics said. Like So for mine, according to my genetics, I... I'm optimal on a high-protein, high-carb diet, low-fat. Interesting. Yeah, but, you know, that's genes. Mm -hmm. And what's my my environment? Like, I've had all these gut issues and, um, like, the mold and stuff and, like, carbs feed all that, right? So I don't know. It's very it's very fascinating.
1: Yeah, the genetic testing aspect is also it's another thing that people think that they can just go do that, follow that diet and have miracles happen. Yeah. But as you said, there's a lot of other factors that come into play, like your environment. Like we are not living in the same environment that our ancestors that we got the genes from Mm -hmm. were living in. Mm -hmm. Um, so we do need to in some ways compensate for that and that might change how our bodies are responsive to different macro and micronutrients
0: yeah that what you know what else i was gonna bring up to you was this whole like the whole stephanie buttermore thing and yeah i mean i I don't even know why it's so controversial i don't either i'm like she's just eating to satiety and like so i i read a blog post about like the science behind it and stuff because i mean it's the same approach that like i use with a lot of clients for Overcoming amenorrhea or mm-hmm. eating disorder, eating yeah. disorders, like because it's the same physiology. Like if someone's coming back from like bikini competitions, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, but anyways, there's this whole group of people who are like making all these YouTube videos about how like going all in and how you're you gain weight, but then it goes back to normal mm-hmm. and. It's, like, very strong in the vegan community. It's, like, I don't know if you've seen this. Oh, no. I was shocked. It was, like, so many people who, they're, like, just go high-carb vegan. Eat as much as you can. You'll probably put on some weight. But then I'll go back down and you'll – you'll and they, like, show videos from, like, years down the line. Is this a
1: recover from amenorrhea? Yeah. Or, or like,
0: just recover from, like, under-eating and, like, eating disorders or whatever. Um it's like all a, a lot of the people who like Stephanie Butter Buttermore was like, check out these people who have gone through the same process. Mm-hmm. And I was I was watching all their videos and I'm like, all these people are high carb vegans. And I'm like I'm <laughs> thinking Because I mean it, it happens. Like you you overeat, you finally get satiated, and yeah. eventually it evens out. Yeah. And you go back to set point. But This high-carb vegan thing, and some of them are showing, like, they they lose a lot of weight, and they're they're like, I'm still losing more weight. And I'm like, but at what point are you just malnourished now? Yeah. Like, okay, because I don't care if you're eating 3,000 calories a day on a vegan diet, but, like, after a few years, if your body is starving of nutrients, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to lose weight because you're going to, like, be malnourished. Yeah.
1: Wait, are they recommending that everyone, like, not including vegans, goes high-carb vegan in order to go all in yeah like the vegan people okay
0: the vegan people basically are like on it's like this whole community i was like god this is crazy (laughs) for people recovering from eating disorders exactly i'm like isn't this another that's just another way of restricting i i was i was like this is so i don't even understand Yeah. yeah yeah i was gonna i don't even know but it was very interesting i'm not sure why people think it's so
1: i don't either like people have been asking me about it non-stop and i'm like i don't understand They're Like, what do they want to know what's wrong i think a lot of people not a lot of people someone pointed out that it seems like she's promoting binge eating and she's just like no, yeah she is i know not. right like no one's going to eat that way yeah and do that to their body for the heck of it just to <sighs> eat an extra donut like that doesn't make any sense like her motivations are pretty darn clear yeah she had health issues mm-hmm. she's now eating more mm-hmm. because undereating was causing the health issues so mm-hmm. she needs to get her body back to a healthy weight to get all of her hormones back in balance to get everything back in balance and in order to do that she just has to eat more yeah like eating more is the solution to eating less for her yeah but there's so much logic there yeah and i'm like
0: uh, this is just the thing with the YouTube. It's, like, how can you say she's promoting binging? She's absolutely not. Like, the, like yeah. there's no question if you watch a video. And this is, like, what's tough about YouTube. And I would love for you to speak more to this, like, what it's like being a YouTuber.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. um, I think people, I mean, it's freaking harsh out there. Yeah. I feel like YouTube is aware of the, yeah. the main, like, there are <laughs> trolls on all over the internet. But, like, they're, like, really on YouTube.
1: yeah. Yeah, I've, I, there, I have had fleeting thoughts of just quitting YouTube and starting a podcast because mm-hmm. you don't get the comments yeah. on every episode yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that would yeah. make things so much easier not dealing with the comments. But yeah, no, it's a very interesting platform um, and I think there definitely is a lot of pressure to, I guess, look a certain way, act a certain way. Mm-hmm. I feel like I constantly have to explain myself. Yeah. Mm. Um, Because, like, for example, when I started the autoimmune protocol um, to fix my health issues, I got some people commenting saying, wow, you're so obsessed with food now. You're promoting, like, an unhealthy mindset with food. And I'm like, I am sick. Like, until you have been in the shower wanting to scream and having a mental breakdown because you just want to take your razor and shave all your skin off, Mm -hmm. like you have no right to tell me Mm -hmm. that what I'm doing is disordered when I'm just trying to fix my health. Yeah. Um, And I think it's really difficult, especially when people come in and just watch one video. Yeah. They don't have the context. context. They don't have the background. They don't understand like what I'm doing or why. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's finding that balance between giving some amount of context and just kind of like trying to live my life Mm -hmm. and film what I want to film and share what I want to share with my audience. Yeah. But, it, but it's like, even
0: if someone watches every video, like they still don't know the whole story. That's, true.
1: That's very true.
0: Like, especially when it's, when you're putting out so much educational content, like the whole thing isn't about here's my life yeah. every day, day in and day out. And like, I mean, I didn't know, I mean, I watch your, your videos and I didn't know everything that was going on until we like mm-hmm. dove into it. Oh yeah. You know, um, maybe you can explain to people kind of the behind the scenes of
1: like, w- what has been happening with your health? <sighs> what has been happening with my health a lot so much. Um, I definitely never thought I would be in this position where I would feel like I was I don't, sick. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have a chronic illness, but mm-hmm. I f- I'm kind of lumped into that category because mm-hmm. what I'm going through is going to take at least a year, if not mm-hmm. three to four years. Um, so yeah, just for context, um, I'm going through topical steroid withdrawal. I had a small amount of eczema when I was a kid, like five, 10, I don't know. Um, and I was given topical steroids to fix it, use those for a bit, stopped using them. And then I had some huge skin flare up that doctors are like, well, it's not eczema, but we have no idea what it is. And I was like, okay. So I went to a bunch of different doctors. Eventually I was given very strong topical steroids, um, And gradually started using them everywhere. So I'd use them until my skin got better and then it would get worse again and I would use them and then get better and get worse. Um, And so I kind of, I kept having these flare-ups and I kept compensating for them with topical steroids because every time I put them on, it would go away and it'd be fine. Um, And I did that for 10 years. And so... Basically, what happens with topical steroid withdrawal is these steroids, your body gets addicted to them. And so when you try to come off them, it throws a big fit Mm. and it basically makes your skin try to eat you alive. Um, So it's been an interesting battle because eventually the steroids stopped working for me, which is why I've come off them completely and why I realized that this was such a big issue. I grew a tolerance to them. So I stopped using them because they weren't doing anything and it was just making it worse. And since then um, my skin has just been, I mean, if you look at pictures, well, you might not want to look at pictures of topical steroid withdrawal cause it's not pretty. Um, but your skin gets super dry, super flaky. It's kind of, kind of gross. <laughs> but it feels like my, the inner layer of my skin is being stretched apart like a dry canvas. That's about to snap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's, but it's, like, painful. Yes. Like,
0: I think that's what people don't understand. It's, like, all the time itchy and painful. Oh,
1: yeah. The itching is, yeah. The itching is the worst. Everything is itchy all the time, everywhere. It keeps me up at night. I can't, like, the last two nights I barely slept because I couldn't fall asleep. And then I woke up a couple hours later and couldn't stop itching, so I couldn't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've been scratching through my skin, bleeding, bleeding. I'll bruise myself if I'm like wearing leggings and trying to scratch through the leggings Mm -hmm. because I'm scratched through hard so hard. Um, And then, yeah, in the worst flare up that I've had, theoretically, this happens in flares like you flare, you get better, you flare, you get better. Eventually, the flare stopped getting as bad. Um, But my first huge flare up, it would take me an hour to get out of bed every day because it just hurt. I was I was just dreading moving at all like moving my wrists to even start moving my arms to push myself out of bed um my legs were super swollen Mm -hmm. so it would be extraordinarily painful to stand up because all the blood would rush back to my legs um yeah it's just generally not not pleasant what have you
0: found that you think has been the most helpful so far
1: i've basically changed my entire diet and lifestyle. I started following the autoimmune protocol Mm because at first I thought it was autoimmune Mm because it makes sense because I have celiac disease. Um, And so I think that overall has been helping just reduce inflammation Mm -hmm. and then changing my whole lifestyle. Just I cut all the exercise out to reduce any added stress on my body. So I'm sure that's helped a little bit. Um, Just focusing more on prioritizing me over work has also drastically reduced stress. Um, what else have I done? Just adding
0: I think you don't give yourself enough credit. Okay. <laughs> you made a ton of changes and like you're I think you're very different now. Like Your stress is different. Yes. Like, which absolutely had to go down because the stress of just dealing with the way you physically feel is too much for anything else to be added on top of that. Yeah. Like, you're much more chill now, I feel like.
1: I think, yes. I I agree. I definitely, I had gotten myself into kind of a cycle of just constantly feeling stressed out, which was not helped by the fact that for a year until last year. December, I was working two jobs, I was working like 90 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So like, that in itself was pretty darn stressful. Mm -hmm. Um, But I kind of got myself into a loop of just always feeling stressed and almost feeling addicted to that stress. And if I didn't have something to stress out about, I felt stressed about not being stressed Mm -hmm. and not having something to stress out about. Um, And I've kind of slowly worked myself to the point where if I don't actively have something to stress out about, I can be not stressed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a lot more chill, which definitely, like, I mean, I'm sure it's helping with my skin, but overall, like, that's a huge life change Mm -hmm. that I'm sure is going to help me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, and I want you to share something that you told me,
0: because we were talking about subconscious, like, like, subconscious, like, limiting beliefs, like, Mm -hmm. you know, getting in the cycle, and you were talking about that you, like, how you realized What success means?
1: Yeah, so I think for the longest time I had just thought that hard work was the like the epitome of I don't say being a good person, but Mm -hmm. you know it was the best thing to exemplify like. I guess success. Yeah. Um, and so I felt like I had to always be working hard in order to feel successful and feel like I was doing something good with my life, even if working hard just meant procrastinating mm-hmm. so that I would have to work harder mm-hmm. so that I would feel good about myself for working hard. And I was definitely in the work harder, not smarter <laughs> mindset. Mm-hmm. Um just because like i had seen the value in it it had been very much positive, positively re- reinforced in my life like mm-hmm. i i've always been intrinsically motivated um i've always been a hard worker like i remember 6th <laughs> grade i was so excited to stay up until midnight working on this little storybook that mm-hmm. we had to put together and like that felt good mm-hmm. because i made a really cool project and i was mm-hmm. super proud of it and it, I had worked hard to produce that. And since then I was working hard, like working hard got me into MIT. Working hard um, got me a lot of different opportunities and cool things. And so it just kept getting positively reinforced that mm-hmm. working hard is the best thing that you can do. Um, so I guess I just kind of fell into that spiral and into that trap of feeling like I needed to be working hard constantly um, and make sacrifices in order to work hard, even if The working hard wasn't actually producing results. Mm -hmm. So being able to make that shift and realizing that, you know, working smarter, not harder (laughs) is Mm -hmm. a little bit more optimal for long term success and happiness has been a huge shift for me.
0: I mean, I think that's a really profound realization. And I think so many people, I mean, I could definitely have the same thing. Um, and I think a lot of people listening do too. And a lot of us procrastinate without realizing why. But like mm-hmm. when you realize that, you can start to like t- pick apart your behaviors and be like, why do I self-sabotage all the time? Yeah. And then you realize it's this belief, but is this belief true? Mm-hmm. No, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just think that. That's just why I wanted you to share it because I think so many people can connect with that, um, especially when I think we're younger. And for many people, it's like their parents will like praise them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, you worked so, you were up so late on that project. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it's like all that little stuff that adds together. And yeah, it my parents definitely
1: it. never like forced me yeah. to work hard, but they definitely positively reinforced my mm-hmm. hard working. Like, they would, I mean, They took care of like everything for like my mom cooked for me. Mm -hmm. My parents bought me an iPad one year because they're like, wow, you worked really, really hard this semester. I made them return it because I felt bad because Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to use it. But (laughs) (laughs) like they still they did things like that for me because I worked hard. Um, So, yeah, it definitely it got positively reinforced and it just it stuck with me. And so what I'm doing now to kind of break that habit, I'm definitely still working on it because I still catch myself stressing about things that I don't need to stress about and working like trying to make everything perfect that doesn't need to be. Um, But what I've implemented is kind of a cutoff for myself for work. And I don't let myself just work until bedtime anymore. And so what I'm trying to do is like every night, at least for now, like I I don't think I'll need to do this forever. But at least for now, I'm trying to watch like at least a movie Mm -hmm. or an episode of a TV show before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also like implementing a bunch of different sleep strategies and stuff like that before I go to bed so I have to leave myself a good three hours before Mm -hmm. bedtime to be able to get all that in and just being able to take that step away from work has been very freeing Mm -hmm. and it has allowed me to realize that yes I can get everything done that I need to get done And I can still have time for myself Mm -hmm. and still have time to focus on my health and focus on friends Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it's all going to be okay. The world is not going to burn down around me because I'm not working myself to death.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think also people don't realize how much work goes into YouTube. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) like we were talking about this the other day, like, how long it takes to edit a video Mm -hmm. and, like, I mean, just, like, uploading process, like, all these little things, making the thumbnail, like, It takes so much time and people to see a video and they think, oh, you just stand in front of my camera and then like yeah. upload it. And
1: it's like, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, it's a process. Like I would say, cause if I'm vlogging a day, if I'm doing like a, what I eat in a day or something, um, that in itself, maybe it's just because I am not, I don't know. It takes me a lot of thought mm-hmm. when I'm going through that. Like I like to set up different camera angles, stuff like that. Um, and so if I'm vlogging a day, the vlogging part consumes a lot of my day. Yeah. Um, so that's one day gone. And then editing that, if it's a, an actual vlog rather than just a sit down video, editing that takes a lot longer. It can take anywhere from like five to eight hours and then making a thumbnail, doing all the SEO research for the title, the, um, tags, the description, that takes a while too. If I were a better graphic designer, yeah, maybe doing thumbnails would take less time, but I'm not so it takes it takes a lot of effort, a lot of thinking also planning out the video before I film it. Like mm-hmm. if there's a central theme that I want to talk about, I'll usually write down notes, key points that I want to hit and then because my channel is usually very science focused. Mm -hmm. I like to actually research everything. And so I put a lot of time into prepping for videos as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a multi day process to create just one video. Mm -hmm. What's your, actually,
0: this is what I want to ask you. Okay. Do you think you'd be living your life any differently if you weren't
1: vlogging it? That's a very good question. Um, I think I what I like about my YouTube channel and mm-hmm. vlogging is that it gives me more motivation to do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, right now I'm doing a vlog where I do meditation for 30 days straight because I haven't been super consistent with meditation. I've been doing it, like, at least a couple times a week, but I've, I haven't stuck to it every single day since I've tried to do it. And so being able to put it in a vlog gives me a lot more motivation to stick to it Mm -hmm. because, you know, if I'm going to do it for a vlog, I have to do it. So it kind of, it increases the accountability that I have Mm -hmm. for all of these different things that I want to experiment with. Um, I think if I weren't vlogging, I would still probably be living mostly the same life, Mm -hmm. but I just wouldn't have that added factor of being able to hold myself accountable a lot easier. Mm. And I still might be able to, but is a lot easier with YouTube.
0: Do you think it's affected your mental health at all? Like, I just, I don't know. I I always, it's like, with all these people's judgments about what you're eating, Mm -hmm. how you're exercising, are you eating enough? Like, like all these comments and like how you look, like, I just feel like that would affect anyone's mental health.
1: I definitely, I definitely think about food and exercise a lot more than I would Mm -hmm. if I weren't vlogging it. I definitely wouldn't say that I have Any sort of obsessive thoughts Mm -hmm. about it that have been driven by YouTube, but I would think about it a lot less if I weren't, you know, making content about it. Oh yeah, and it's all on display for everyone to talk about. Yeah, and then definitely like the comments—they can—they can can really get to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can definitely be draining on your mental health, which is why I've thought about quitting YouTube and just starting podcasting. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's—it's been a challenge to learn how to focus on the positive comments Mm -hmm. and ignore the negative comments and trolls i'm i can completely ignore them and it's fine um but it is people who've been watching my videos for a long time Mm -hmm. who clearly had some connection with my content when they start to feel negatively about my content Mm -hmm. then it makes me feel like i've let them down or i'm doing something wrong and that can get to me
0: yeah. I mean, I think it just goes to show how much you care about your audience. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like people who, if someone sees one video and they're going to ditch because yeah. you went on a carnivore diet, it's like that's not your person. Yeah. You know, um, and it just goes back to how people think that they know everything about you if your life's mm-hmm. on the internet.
1: Oh, and yeah. And
0: they, they just don't.
1: Yeah. I've, uh, the, One of the most difficult things has been being open about topical steroid withdrawal, especially Mm -hmm. before I had a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I was just getting literally hundreds of people every video trying to tell me, what they thought I had, and giving me different recommendations. And I got diagnosed with everything. And if I followed everyone's recommendations, I would literally just be fasting all the time. Yeah, I would just not eat food. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like, every food has been mentioned as causing sensitivities for someone, and you can't do everything. And it, that part has been difficult, because it makes me question myself. And it makes me think, well, what if I'm not doing the right thing? Like what if I should be doing something mm-hmm. else? What if I should be going carnivore or rock carnivore? What if I should be going vegan? Mm-hmm. What if I should be going low fat and mm-hmm. get rid of cinnamon? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just so many
0: yeah. things
1: and it really makes you question what you're doing.
0: Well, that's why it's so hard to heal when y- you have everyone's opinions mm-hmm. around you and when you know so much about health. Yeah. Like it is so hard because you're in your own head and that's why I'm always like, like, this is why, like, I'm like, I need to work with someone because I know too many things and I've seen someone tell me what to do. Um, and yeah, I tweeted about this yesterday and I was like, I just said me sharing something along the lines of me sharing something about my life is not an invitation for your opinion. Yeah. Like just because I'm sharing something about my life doesn't mean I'm asking for your opinion. Like I'm sharing because people ask me, Mm -hmm. um, but I don't share – that's part of why – I mean, I've shared a lot less about my personal life in the last year because I'm just like, I don't need everyone else's – I didn't ask for your opinion. Yeah. The, th- the thing is, people come to the internet to try and connect, which is amazing, and I love that. Um, but the danger is that everyone projects their own life yes. onto everyone else. So I'm like, I understand if you maybe think you have the same symptoms as me, and this is what worked for you, but, like, I'm not you. Mm-hmm. And my healthcare provider knows me a lot more – a lot better than you you know or i know myself a lot better and like if i i am just like if i wanted your opinion i would say hey i'm dealing with this does anyone have recommendations yeah that's very different than like hey this is what i'm going through this is the approach i'm taking and then everyone's just like well you need to do this and like it's it's just funny to me how so many people give give advice and like the recommendation yet they are also the same people on the internet who like get mad at us when we give advice about certain things. Like yep. who are you to say that? Like, I'm like, who are you? Like, <laughs> like, like yes. you're a random ass person on the internet. I don't know. I just think it's an interest. It's, it's kind of, it's definitely a tough spot to be in figuring out the, the middle ground between like wanting to share and connect with people, but also mm-hmm. like trying to protect yourself and your mental sanity and your healing process. Um,
1: yeah and I like I get why people do it mm -hmm. like all the people who are giving me these recommendations who are taking time to write long comments and long messages like they clearly care Mm -hmm. and I appreciate that so much that there's so many people that do care enough Mm -hmm. to share their story tell me what they're going through um, and any similarities they see between me and them Um, and so yeah it, it is about connections and Mm -hmm. people are just looking to connect but um one of the biggest ways that people connect via the internet is projecting themselves onto others and it's so easy to do that Mm -hmm. when you're only seeing 20 minutes out of i don't know how many minutes are in a week (laughs) yeah but you're only seeing 20 minutes of my life (laughs) out of the entire week like it's boiled down it's simplified it's impossible to go into 15 years of my medical history Mm -hmm. in one youtube video when i'm still discovering things Mm -hmm. um so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a interesting, it's a pickle.
0: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I know, like, I just think it's always so funny seeing people give advice when I... I'll be on I'll be on Instagram, let's say, and I'm seeing like thirty people who have crazy digestive issues and mm-hmm. candida and X, Y, and Z and I'm like looking at what they're eating and I'm like, I could freaking fix this for you. Like yeah. But it takes everything in me, but I don't. I'm not gonna go and message someone and be like, Hey, you should really do this. Like because it's like if someone wants help, they'll ask for it. Yeah. You know, and like we can't I mean, we can, but we shouldn't all go around telling everyone else what to do unless yeah. it's like asked for in my opinion
1: yes so i don't know no i i 100% agree with that and there's also a difference between like a slight
0: like hey this could help you should check this out versus like i mean i've gotten like five paragraphs like you need to do x y and z like, oh yeah it, like picking apart i'm like holy shit like mm-hmm. i didn't know like do you know what I mean like i didn't know i signed up for a consultation <laughs> with you like i think it's very different to like recommend something and be, like true. check this out than like some people I don't know if you get this, but some people for me definitely I'm like, whoa. Like that was a lot. Um, yes. I
1: have gotten some very interesting yeah. long Like the DMs. in-depth ones. Yeah. I think it definitely comes down to how it's presented. Yes. If it's presented as like, hey, like this might not work for you, but this is what worked for mm-hmm. me, that's fine. If mm-hmm. it's like, hey, this you is need- what you have, yeah. you need to do this, this and this, because yeah. if not, you're destroying your body and you're gonna die. Mm-hmm then no (laughs) yeah well yeah and because
0: people do give some really helpful things sometimes you know they'll get the like you should check this out but that's more of like I think the way it's framed I'm like I'm not gonna check something out if you're telling me like I have to do this Mm -hmm. and like that you know everything about me but it's more of just like what you were saying like you know this worked for me you should look into it if you haven't already I'm like cool But yeah, the
1: biggest thing that I've gotten is all the carnivore people telling me I need to go raw carnivore. And honestly, like, I think carnivore could potentially help. Mm -hmm. Like, I even saw a post in a topical steroid withdrawal Facebook group Mm -hmm. um, of someone who went carnivore Mm -hmm. and was focusing on getting in a lot of collagen. And he said that that helped him a lot. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, great. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Um, But just people are recommending it so blindly Mm -hmm. and dogmatically that's what really bothers me about it
0: i mean i think also what people don't realize is there's more than one way to get things done yes and it's also not always just as black and white as like i mean i think if you did go raw carnivore you probably might get better faster like i I don't think that's off base Mm -hmm. but is that how you want to live your life and with the stress of that (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's other factors that go into yeah. it in terms of lifestyle and stress. And like, is that the only way? I don't think it's the only way, you know, like, like, I think there's more than one way to get a lot of things done when it comes to health. Yep. Like, and I'm sure, I mean, I feel like fitness is a good example. There's a lot of different ways to approach fitness to get, yeah, you know, different goal, like maybe the same goal, I guess. Um, so I think that's, what's, that's, what's hard. And, and when people on the internet, like find something that is the holy grail for them and they just assume yes. it's the holy grail for everyone else mm-hmm. but it's like maybe raw Car- carnivore heals you but maybe for someone else it would be the worst thing ever yeah i know? mean i have
1: a friend who's like intolerant to red meat yeah exactly. so obviously she, that's not gonna heal would die. her from anything it would literally die
0: <laughs> yeah so i just think it's um i don't know what's your what's your favorite thing about youtube
1: there's so much I mean, as a job, mm-hmm. my favorite thing is working for myself. <laughs> it's pretty darn nice to make my own hours, make the content that I want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think about YouTube in general, it's it's the community. It's the mm-hmm. same reason I got into it. It's being surrounded by like-minded people. Because, you know, like what you talk about kind of dictates the kind of people that are going to follow you, or at least be mm-hmm. um, the people that are most engaged with your content. So I have a lot of people that are very into kind of the more sciencey side mm-hmm. of fitness and health, but are still open-minded. Um, the kind of people that will stick with me through doing a carnivore video and a vegan video, you know? Um, so it's great to have a community of those people. And that's when I recently started a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that those people, like the people who have gone to the links to join that Facebook group are kind of like my people. They're very like similarly minded. And, um, we've had some very interesting conversations and yeah.
0: Yeah. The people who go into the community are the real ones. Yeah. (laughs) I found like people who are in the face for me, like people in the Facebook group, but like, um, or who read my blog. I'm like, Mm -hmm. if you read my blog, you are like, (laughs) we're best friends. You know, people who like go the extra
1: mile. Um, Do you
0: have a favorite video you've ever made?
1: A favorite video? Ooh, there's been a lot of videos that I've enjoyed making. Um, I don't know why my carnivore video comes into my head. Probably because we were just talking about carnivore. Um, Ooh, actually, no. Um, I did a three-day fast where I measured a lot of different biomarkers like I measured my heart rate Mm -hmm. just like uh, three or four times a day Mm -hmm. I started two or three days before the fast just to get a baseline Mm -hmm. and then I measured throughout the fast and then a couple days after so I measured my heart rate blood pressure ketones glucose weight um and one or two other things Mm -hmm. that was really interesting okay yeah it was fun I need to re watch that. <laughs> I need to re watch your carnivore
0: video. I remember when it came out. That was a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. And now I need to rewatch it. But you weren't raw carnivore. No. So I
1: mean I could barely do carnivore with yeah. eggs and cheese. So True. <laughs> where do you see your channel going? That's also a very good question. I'm going through quite a transformation with my channel right now, just mm-hmm. because I am not exercising. Mm-hmm. My whole channel is kind of built around fitness. Mm-hmm. So not being able to exercise, I think, um, I've noticed a bit of a drop off in views and engagement because my content is changing so mm-hmm. much, which is understandable. Um, ultimately I want to get back to making that fitness content. Cause I think that's what I enjoy the most. And I think, um, that's where I am most educated and valuable as a youtuber mm-hmm. um but yeah ultimately i want to be more organized with my content that's just kind of my only goal right now long term um is having more of a set schedule and plan mm. around content so that i can make sure that everything i deliver is as valuable as possible
0: do you just like decide right then
1: no oh. uh, <laughs> i usually so since i've started scheduling better um I have a block of time in the beginning of my week to plan out my videos. Mm -hmm. So whether that's thinking of topics or doing my research, making bullet points, whatever. um, I have, there's probably been like one or two videos where I had no plan going into it. But most of them I have a plan. I have bullet points. I can know kind of like what I'm going to talk about. Mm Mm-hmm. But just, like, overall throughout the month, being more scheduled and planned would be great. Okay. You've
0: made so many good improvements. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) You are
1: sleeping more. Trying to. Being more social. (laughs) Definitely.
0: De-stressing, outsourcing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Doing all the self-care things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I think you're doing well. Thank you. So, <laughs> I I'm excited to see you on your journey.
1: I'm just excited to prove the doctor wrong who said it was going to take me 3 to 4 years yeah,
0: to Yeah. Dude, <laughs> screw him. <laughs> going to come back next year and be like look at me
1: mm-hmm. now. I'm more than happy to pay the like $250 yeah. to go back to him and be like you were wrong yeah. sir. Here,
0: here here I am. <laughs> Show up in a bathing suit.
1: <laughs> look at my skin. I am so healed.
0: <laughs> I love it. All right, tell everyone where they can check out your YouTube channel and get more from you in general.
1: So, I am misfit and nerdy on everything. That's miss like M I S S, not like misfit but like misfit and nerdy um on instagram i post at least twice a week obviously i have my youtube channel where i post twice a week my website is misfit um if you want to join the facebook forum it's what is it the fit and nerdy fam there's a long title but it's basically the fit and nerdy fam if you search that you'll find it um, and yeah i think that's oh i'm misfit and nerdy on twitter too but i don't use that that much awesome thanks yeah thank you
0: Shout out to Marissa for coming on the podcast. Remember, you can connect more with her on YouTube at Misfit Nerdy and Instagram at Misfit Nerdy, and all of her information is on her website, MisfitAndNerdy.com. If you enjoyed this, make sure you let her know. And if you enjoyed it, share it with someone. Send it to a family member or a friend anyone who you think would find this interesting and if you do share it on social media be sure to tag Mirsa, tag me and tag wellness Realness podcast so that I can say thank you I love when you guys share episodes it means the world to me and of course if you enjoy the podcast and want to show your support for the show please leave a rating and a review on iTunes if you haven't already that really helps me spread the word about the podcast That's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Get ready for Thanksgiving. And I will chat with you again next time. Bye.